My name is Henry Bell, and I am, as ever, broadcasting from the west of Scotland. Luckily for us, we have the one, the only, Michele Borelli in the shadow of Vesuvio. How is Naples today? Hello, everyone. Hello. Henry, you seem a little bit sad. I don't know. There was a very sad, like, low-tone introduction. What's going on? Are you sad about something? Is there something on your mind? Um... Well, no, I'm all right. You know, it's just the international breakman that I've sort of forgotten about Napoli for a while. Oh. And getting ready for this show, I've just been reminded of the just ridiculous dumpster fire that is our club. But no, I mean, apart from that, I'm feeling all right, actually. I'll okay. try to be a bit more chipper. I'll try to be more, you know, because I can sense that you might not be the most positive person over the course of this episode. You might be surprised. You might be surprised. Okay. We'll see. We'll see. I think it's going to be an interesting episode. Uh, yes. The weather today in Naples is very Scottish, so it's raining. It's been raining since the morning. And uh, oh, yeah, it's not bad. It's not too cold, though. It's fine. It's okay. And, uh, tomorrow's we... going to be sunny again, so it's fine. It's okay. We can cope. There's sunshine in your voice, though. We can't there is, like... <laughs> yeah. Because to be honest, to be honest, I mean, I'm going to skip ahead, but once I read the news about Vazari, I, I just started laughing. Also, when Empoli scored with Tom oh, in Naples, I just laughed. Like everyone was said, I just started laughing. I, I, I turned back towards my friend behind me in Curva B, and I just like, I grabbed him by the shoulder and I shook him very hard. And I just like, I was laughing maniacally. It was just, it was such a beautiful moment because, I mean. What else could you do? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was it was written. How do you say it in English? That it was like on the wall. Written in the it? stars. Written or the the writing was on the wall. Yeah, the so, writing was yeah. on the wall. You could you could tell. You know, it was it was. I mean, even losing, even even not 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 winning, drawing against Empoli would have been a disaster. But losing, mm. you know, I mean, it didn't change much in terms of table, in terms of points. It was one point against Empoli at home. Zero points. I mean, it's still a failure, but yeah. yeah, it was just too much fun. You know, like losing at the last second against Empoli at home after ninety minutes of nothing. It was just I couldn't help but laugh. So yeah, I mean, I'm either losing my mind. Or... I feel like I'm talking to this is like Goggle's Diary of a Madman. So, but we're we're both different forms of madness. You know, I've gone down, you've gone up. That's quite good, though. We've got a sort of combination here. It's yeah, that's going to be an interesting podcast episode, I think. But we're, I mean, just so we know, before we find out about number 40 on the Napoli Tombola, um, what we're going to do, I think, well, our plan, I mean, we may go off this plan, of course, as we do often, is to also reflect on Mazzari before the news and his relationship to Naples and how people in Naples see him. Uh, so it, if you're worried that this is going to be a bunch of people just crying and shouting, um, there will hopefully be a contrast in some of the things we say. But anyway, right, it's number 40. This is, this took up a lot of our pre-show, was talking about what exactly is number 40 in the Napoli Tombola. Oh, yeah. What is it? Okay, so number 40 in the Napoli Tombola is La Paposha. 
So, why there was debate? Because Pavosha in Neapolitan can mean a few things. So, the official translation in Italian and therefore in English of Apaposha on the tombola is boredom, la noia, boredom, to be bored. Sorry. But, but in Neapolitan, Pavosha means something else. It could mean a few things, actually. So, uh, right. Goes, okay. It, what what sort of things could it mean? <laughs> so we go from the uh, you know the inoffensive things. So Paposha also means uh, slipper. So just slippers, the thing you yep. walk with you know, when you're at home. Yep. Slippers. It's, it's very hard to make them offensive. I mean, it probably depends on, on where you put the slipper, but mostly I think slippers are it's, an inoffensive object. Safe, very safe. But yep. Paposha. You know, so okay, so we go. Another inoffensive thing would be um, uh, pabosha as hernia. So when you have a hernia, especially like you know medical condition, um, yeah. that's that can be called pabosha. To be honest, to be honest, I never heard it used like that. So I don't doubt it that it can also mean that. And if you look at the, so if you have the Napolitan tombola um, board uh, in your yeah. hands and at home. You see, usually they have next to the numbers they have uh, the, the name in uh, Neapolitan, the name in English or Italian, and they have a small picture depicting what that word means. So right. and I was yeah and I was looking it up with Henry because I knew what it actually meant and it's funny to me. So I sent <laughs> Henry three pictures. So I found three different pictures for the same number. And yeah, and uh, three of them are very family friendly. No, two of them. Yeah, two of them. Two of them. Yes. And one so, of them isn't. And we're going to talk all of these out from at Shadow of a Super. Oh, we will? Oh, shit. Okay. Well, uh, well, one is the hernia, like the medical condition. Another one is the depiction of boredom. So it's just one guy studying, apparently, and reading, and he's very bored at his desk. And the last one is, I think, the most common usage of the word paposha napolitan which is scrotum so uh, one might yes one might ask why scrotum like, i mean slipper i mean slipper is completely different it has nothing to do but boredom and scrotum can actually mean the same thing in napolitan because in napolitan it is very very commonly used in um this circumstance when someone is boring you when someone is boring in general and specifically is doing something boring, you can tell to this person, you are making my scrotum big. So in Napoleon, right. it would mean, it would mean, mi stai facendo, mi stai facendo, na wallera tanta, na paposha tanta. It would mean, my scrotum is getting bigger. So this okay. is not sexual. I don't, I don't believe it's there is anything just sexual Just an, an inflamed this. scrotum. It sounds medical I, to me. I, I, might be, yeah. I mean, this is a very should, educational podcast. Yeah, yeah, this is actually yeah, a medical podcast. But yeah. yeah, so in Napolitan, and this is not some obscure, so some of the things we talk about in this podcast, some Napolitan saying and some phrases are always true, obviously, but they are not widely used. So they are more like antique saying, you know, something very old that uh, grandparents would say. This is different. This is like very common knowledge, uh, everyday parlance. You know, everyone says uh, paposha and walera, which is another 
word. Paposha is the politically correct, I say, I would say, version of scrotum, and Wallera is more. It's a little bit more rude, but it's not super rude. I mean, you can say maybe you don't say it to people you don't like to strangers. That's kind you of you would walk into a cafe and say, say it to it. a waiter, unless exactly. they're a UV support thing, which is the the first. Um, barista that I met in Naples was a Juventino. Ah, oh, that's uh, yeah, that's just your luck. Coincidence? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I was re- in the the Napoli Juventus supporters club. Obviously, that would be the first place. That that's where you where you naturally go to. You know, like you you didn't realize, but you were like just naturally attracted to that's that me. barista and to that. Place, and I suppose, you know? actually, I mean, I think sl- a slipper, I mean, you could describe a slipper as a kind of foot scrotum in some ways, because it does cover the foot in a protective <laughs> sack in some ways. No, you're you know? taking it too far. No, I think slipper is just like a different, a different meaning. Like, it's like some words can have completely different meanings in every language. So, yes, yeah, I'll never see a slipper in quite the same way, Michele. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's your erotic fantasy, but... Uh, Paposha is, yeah, it's scrotum, and yeah, I mean, it's something, it's just like another way to say bore, bore, like boredom. I'm bored. Can you give us, can you give us the phrase in Neapolitan again? I know we're, we're miles away from my Neapolitan expression of the week. You would say, you would say, you wouldn't say Neapolitan, I have a big Paposha. You would say, like, literally, literally translated, I have. Um, it's, it's hard to translate literally, but you would say, I have a, in, in, in Napoli there would be tenga paposha tanta, tenga na wallara tanta, for example. Tanta means much, like in, in, yeah. in English. So you would say like, I have, it's kind of like, I have this much of a scrotum. Let's yeah. say it's kind of like, in, in Italiano. Yeah, literally translated like, it's, yeah, it doesn't really sound right, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's what, that's what in Napoleon it would sound like. So yeah, okay. that's uh, that's number forty, and we that's our podcast for today. <laughs> Thank yeah, you very much for listening. In. And Napoli, the club is screwed. But apart from that, it's fine. Bye. Um, okay. So uh, also, what's happened since we last met? Uh, well, quite a few things have happened. Uh, is there has been an international break, and like, every time this happens, there's always a question that comes in about the perhaps slightly complex relationship between Naples and the the national team. Obviously, Maradona's comments in 1990, very famous, ahead of the semi-final. Uh, just, I know we're not going to the whole episode, we could spend like five episodes talking about this, but I suppose two questions is like, how interested is the city in the Italian national team and how interested are you and are either of those things connected? And c- congratulations to Italy for qualifying for the, for the Euros. Yeah, with that penalty... Call. Yeah, okay, whatever. Um, I so personally, I think I've talked about it before in the podcast. I don't really follow the national team. I didn't even know there was a game yesterday. I ended up watching it, but I didn't like. I'm I'm not really too too interested in the national team. It, it wasn't always like that, but it gradually like when I was a teenager, I was like I felt very strongly about the national team. I probably felt. Like more strongly about the national team than Napoli for a while, for like a year or but, two. Uh, by strongly, you mean that in a positive way? In a positive way, of course. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I was, yeah, I was. Uh, I would say probably because the I I started following football more closely 
during the like 2000 like 2004 2006 yeah. and that time Italy won the World Cup and I was lucky enough to actually be there in Berlin for the final so that was quite intense what I mean, I, I, what, 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 what 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 you're telling me this now how long have we known each other Michele? you 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 have Decades. just telling you were in Berlin con il muro di Berlino Caravaro <laughs> yes I was I was in Berlin I was in Berlin for the for the final. I was funny enough. I was sitting almost in the exact same seat where I was a month ago for Union Berlin Napoli. Was the the same section? Nel stadio. You were in the stadium. I was in the stadium. Yes. How did you get a ticket? I don't know. I can't remember. I mean, I was I was fourteen, so I didn't get the ticket myself. I was with my father and some family friends. I, I just remember that as soon as Del Piero scored the second goal against Germany in the semi-final, they bought the tickets. And I still remember how much it was. The, the curva, we were in the curva, like in the Italian curva, and it was 360 euros. Oof. Like face value wasn't, I don't think, I don't think they paid more than that. Yeah, I mean, 300, I, I have no idea how they bought them. I just remember that they had the, <laughs> in a very plastic way, I would say, but they had the web page open. And as soon as Del Piero scored the second goal, they put they, they pressed purchase and they bought the tickets. That I remember. That was fun. to wait for that last moment. Lovely. Uh, oh, wow. So, I mean, obviously you're going to love that. So so what, what happened to cause this uh, malaise? Is it a footballing thing? Is it a Neapolitan thing? What, or is it a combination of the two? So this is my story. So I don't want to generalize and say this is every Neapolitan story. But I, I, to be honest, I just grew up. So I, my, to be honest, my father always told me, yeah, you feel like this now, but in a few years, you're going to feel differently about Italy and Napoli. And it was right. I mean, I didn't understand it back then. It's not like I didn't care about Napoli. I still follow it, but... Like, while Italy was winning the World Cup, Napoli was in Serie C or B. And, yeah, it was quite tough, you know. And before that, it was, like, Serie B and bankruptcy. So it was it was, it was tough to follow Napoli in the early oh, yeah. 2000s. It was very, very tough. Mm. And, yeah, I mean, for me, like, 2006 World Cup was, I mean, an extremely intense um, event. I'm very happy. I even cried in the stadium. It was it was crazy. I mean, it was just crazy. And uh, for a like, I would say for a year, I kept following the national league very closely. But at the same time, Napoli was going through the you know through the ranks. It was going up to Serie A, and mm. I started following Napoli much more closely too. And at one point, I, 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 there isn't a specific event that happened. There isn't like a single occurrence where I said, okay, you know what, fuck Italy and I'm all Napoli now. No, it's just that I think over the years I grew up, I started understanding a little bit more about, you know, the dynamics in this country. Uh, it's mm. it's a very long explanation. It's very complicated. It goes political. It gets political yep. a, a little bit too. It's just that I, I don't think it's too controversial for me to say that I feel more Neapolitan than Italian right now. Yeah. And yeah. once I realized that, and once I realized why that was the case, then it was very natural for me to start caring more about Napoli than 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 Italy. It was just very clear for me. Like today, I'm like I really don't care about Italy at all. Um, I 
I have to be honest, I have to say that if Italy loses, a little, like a small part of me is happy. Because, oh. yeah, because it's just, it's it's great for me. Like, like to me, like what I, what I imagine, what I picture is all the Juve fans, Inter fans, Milan fans, so all the people that are my rivals, any other day of the week, they are supporting Italy at the moment. And for me, I mean, for me, I, I cannot... I cannot divide those two things. You know what I mean? I cannot split. It's not like, oh yeah, uh, Chiesa is my enemy. Like every every day of the of the month, and then when when he plays for for the national team, yeah, go Chiesa, you are the best. You are my hero. For me, he's still US come when he plays for for the national team. I cannot divide those two things. For me, it's it's, it's very hard. So knowing that US fans support. Italy, the national team, and knowing that they are sad when they lose, it makes me like I don't support, like I'm not against the national team, but that part of me gets happy, you know, when I know that UEFA fans and Inter, Milan, Roma, whatever, are sad because their team lost. Love it. And I think, obviously, as you've stated very clearly, you're not representative of every Neapolitan, but I've also met some Neapolitans that share your view. And clearly, when Diego Maradona said that stuff in 1990, he was responding to similar vibrations that he'd picked up in the city. Um, It's funny, actually, because I, in a very different way, have a very similar relationship with the England national team, that when I was a kid, the 1990 World Cup, that was my awakening into football and Paul Gascoigne and Diego Maradona and all that stuff, and Roberto Baggio. But as I found out more about the country that I was born in, and the behaviour of the football fans, I found it increasingly difficult to get behind England and also sort of question the whole concepts of like international football and what a nation is and what benefits have come out of nationalism. And again, it's a different podcast, isn't it? But I think yeah. um, I actually support usually the team that, that's that's playing England in football and rugby and in most sports. And obviously people think that's quite strange, but I can't, I don't like standing under the English flag. I don't like what it represents. And obviously anyone that's from a different country that's had to host England football fans will know um, that, you know, the whole not in my name thing, I feel a bit like the England national football team. Uh, And I think because of that, I've enjoyed World Cups and European Championships and African Cup of Nations more because I can just watch the football and leave the jingoism and nationalism to one side i know i sound like such a bleeding heart liberal there and i do apologize everybody but um (laughs) you're very much preaching to the converted that's really interesting and i'm sure there are people here listening who very strongly get behind the italian football team and maybe even the english football team no i think what i've said is usually i think what i'm saying is quite controversial even in napoli i have to be honest um uh, i you know it's fair enough it's just i i understand people supporting the national team against again again i'm not saying to people don't support it but in my experience the people who support napoli strongly don't tend to support the national team as strongly um, we are raised as italy fans in terms of you know the football so the norm is to support the national team Mm. that's what people don't understand um, the norm is to support the national team if I say that I don't care about it uh, it's not like oh yeah sure people are still kind of puzzled like oh, really you don't care like it's okay yeah. maybe you don't care as much that's fine I really don't care at all 
So that's that's strange. I wouldn't say that's common. Uh, but that's again, why we're here, Michele. We're here for your hot takes, man. Oh we're yeah, I mean, it's it. just you know what I mean. It's again, I'm not taking a political side. It's not like oh yeah, you must hate the national team because they did this, this, and that. I have my reason. And to, yeah. the thing is, the thing is, uh, supporting a team, a football team, I don't think it's rational. It's not something you think about it think about rationally it's not like oh yes i was born in this city therefore i must support this team yeah it makes sense it makes sense and i could say it but the thing is that when i started supporting napoli like strongly like in an obsessive way it wasn't because i wrote it on a paper and it makes sense there you know it's just something that i felt inside you know it's something that for me it's deeper than that so if i, I support napoli because i support the team the city the culture it's because it's a social. There's a social aspect around it. I think yeah. it's much deeper than that. You know, when I go to Kurba B, surrounded by people who speak my language, they share my tradition, my values, and my birthplace too. Um, it is natural to me that if I share all these things with these people, then I also share this love and support of the team whose name reflects the city. No, cool. so I don't share any of those things with the national team. So it would be very yeah. unnatural for me to support the national team um, based on what I've just said. I, you know, again, it's a different podcast. It's a, it's a very long discussion to have, but you know, like I've lived in Italy in other regions, and uh, I, I've said this before in the podcast. I didn't feel like I had much in common with this with those people. It doesn't mean that I hated them. At all, obviously, but I didn't feel like I had anything in common. You know, we had, we ate different food. We spoke with, like, to be honest, different languages too. Like, okay, we spoke Italian, but they had their own language. They had my own language. Uh, we had different values. We had different, you know, ways to pass the time. You know, all these things. So, and they also, it was very clear to them and to me that I was a foreigner in their land. And that's, again, that's not necessarily bad some people there made it bad you know because it was a little bit discriminatory at times but in general it doesn't mean that it's bad i lived in london for many years and I, obviously i wasn't a local there but um yeah i love the place i love the people in in in, in london i love the people in scotland so yeah i mean I, I for the same reason why i didn't support scotland or england i don't support scotland england, i don't support italy i don't feel like i have much in common with the, you know, with Italy, I know I don't have I don't have much I don't have many reasons to support this national team. We'll have to come up with our own, uh, you know, the history of football. If if we could assemble a Neapolitan eleven, and we can be a bit liberal about what counts as Naples, it'd be quite interesting to see. Let's not do it now. Maybe in the summer, who would be in that team? Mm. Um, yeah, and I think one last thing for me is. As you say, part of being a fan of a club is that you become completely irrational. One does. One switches off that part of your brain and you have that kind of just like unconditional sense of joy, hatred, whatever is happening in the moment towards that. And I, personally, and again, this is my own personal politics, I never want to feel like that about a country. Like I never want to feel irrationally unthinking towards a country. And personally, I think history has taught us what happens when that happens. It's that side of it that I find a bit weird. But that's really interesting. And I think 
it's a good starting point. I think we maybe come back to this in another international break and, and ask some of our listeners what they think. A lot of people listening live in the States and have, you know, Neapolitan heritage. And I suspect their passion for the Italian team is a way of perhaps reconnecting to some of those roots in their diaspora experience of, of the country, which I also understand. Absolutely, um, yeah. Hey, this has been a bit like a seminar today. Very good. Okay. <laughs> uh, from scrotums to uh, <laughs> conversations about national identity and the perils of nationalism and the complex identity of of Italy and Italians. Yeah, um, just, and the uh, makes sense. There's a direct link between those things, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I don't know what, where it is. I don't know what it is, but there is. There must be. Exactly. So, okay, cool. So now, the new manager of Napoli is uh, Walter Mazzari, Michele. Really? How uh-huh. do you feel about that? Well, no, what we're going to do, sorry, come on, Henry, come on, come on, is there's going to be two halves of this. The first thing I'm going to ask you, and I will contribute my feelings as a plastic, what were the feelings of Walter Mazzari in Naples, in the Curva, amongst your friends and family, before this news, in terms of his legacy. And then I want to know what the reaction was to the actual news itself. Okay, so I would say the the feelings towards Mazzari before this news, before this piece of news, the the general consensus about Mazzari was... um, like esteem, love, I would say a lot of affection because Mazzari stayed in Napoli for like how long? Like four years, I think, four years, five years. I believe it was four seasons, but I yeah, really, I, I'll, I I'll check so, it. So. Carry on. I'll check whilst you, you know, go for but, it. But, you know, I mean, he did great things. So the, when Mazzari was in Napoli, his, uh, the Mazzari era coincided with the, like a very rapid growth of the club, I would say, in terms of, terms of results because with Mazzari we we qualified for the Champions League for the first time we won our first trophy in the De Laurentiis era with the Coppa Italia in 2012 if I remember correctly it should be the 20th of May 2012 but yeah, yeah it was it was yeah it was giving score and and yeah it was it was uh just we I, I, the thing is People of my generation, so I was born in 92, and people of my generation um, don't remember, I never, like, don't know what the Maradona era was because we were born after. And, yeah, we grew up with all our relatives, our parents, grandparents talking about Maradona and, in general, talking about how great Napoli was as a club and how successful it was in the 80s. We never saw any of that. Actually, quite the opposite. We saw... For me, it was so strange because on one hand, I, could, I, I, I was listening to my father's tales of Napoli being arguably the best team in the world for like a year or two and beating that amazing Milan side and, you know, winning the UEFA Cup, having the best player in the history of the, of the sport. And then while he was saying this to me, I had to watch Napoli struggle in Serie B for many, many years. I was like, uh, what are you talking about? For me, it was so strange that Napoli, you know, like hearing these stories and, you know, the size of the, the size of the team, the size of the team, 
being uh, like the size of the city, like the third biggest city in the in, in the country, and then seeing the club struggling in Serie B, struggling in Serie A was so weird. Uh, so for that generation, Mazzari meant a lot because finally we could see in a way what our relatives, grandparents and parents were talking about. We could finally see like a, a good Napoli side, which was uh, um, like winning in Italy. Obviously, we didn't win the Scudetto. Um, sure. But- um, yeah, I mean, it was the same for people, I think, away from neighbor obviously it must have been much more intense for you you are neapolitan you are there i'm sure it's much more intense but you know for me trying to watch napoli on tv was so hard when they were in Serie b Serie c also i started watching when it was free to air in the uk just after napoli were a good team and obviously maradona was more of a lived memory then but yeah i mean totally Mazzari. i remember thinking this is what it must have been like you know with that chelsea game in in Europe, sorry to mention it, or like the Cavani goal against Lecce, or obviously the 2012 um, Coppa Italia final against Juventus. Um, And I think a lot of our listeners of a certain generation feel a real emotional attachment to Mazzari. Would you say that's fair in the city as well, that there is this sense of affection and emotion and connection because of the moment that he inspired? Yes, I would say that now with the news of Mazzari coming back, it is a little bit weird because I don't think anyone wanted Mazzari back. But having yeah. said that, a lot of people, me included, love Mazzari because, like, honestly, watching that side with Lavezzi, Cavani, Amsic was so much fun. Some of the best games anyone can remember are from the Mazzari era. Like, the most oh, yeah. fun, you know, like Napoli... I got posted a few to like Napoli Lecce with the Cavani late goal, Napoli Milan from 2 0 to 2 2. We talked about it. Uh, yeah, the, the, the Juve, there was a Juve game early on when uh, Napoli, it was when the Cannavaro brothers played each other. Exactly. And I think Juve were 2 0 up, and then uh, Hamsik missed a penalty at the beginning of the second half, and then Napoli no, came no, back no. to it. No, there was no penalty. It was We were losing. 2-0. I think Jovinko scored even. And uh, yeah, the disaster by Contini. And then and then we, like Hamsik scored two, Hamsik scored what? Uh, the 2-1. Then Datolo scored the 2-2 and Hamsik scored the 3-2. And it was so great. It was, no, no, there was no missed penalty. But no, I, I remember... I watched, no, man, I watched the highlights of that game so many times. Like, in, it's in the That second-half performance, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm hallucinating, but that second-half performance was just so incredible. I remember thinking, and it's so, like, not the Napoli that had been in the part, you know, and just coming back again. I know so, Juve were a bit all over the place, but that's so, yeah. Yes, exactly. It's interesting, and the fun word. It was a fun team, actually, wasn't it? It was a fun team. Obviously, the expectations were very low because mm. we were coming from uh, Donadoni, because we had Donadoni, oh, and Donadoni no, no, no. was awful. Was I think one of probably one of the worst coaches we've ever had. He only yeah. stayed for a few games, and then he got replaced. Mazzari came. I think the first game we played with Mazzari was a Napoli Bologna, and we won two one with a with a late Quagliarella goal. And it was also very emotional. It was amazing. Uh, I remember watching those highlights like, so many times. I think I recorded that game and I watched nice. it a few times 
And yeah, after that, yeah, the Juve game, first time, first time winning in Turin after so many, so many years. And then the, there were a few, a few games. I think there was a December. I don't want to be wrong, but there was a, there were like three or four games in December that we all, uh, that we won at the last minute. Like all of them. It mm. was Napoli Palermo, I think one nil with Maggio. Then it was Napoli Stava, yeah, Napoli Stava Bucharest. These are not in chronological order, but I think they were like in the span of like a week or two. We we won against Palermo at the last second. We won against Stava Bucharest in the last second, and there was a big game because that game was. I remember I was so angry because Stava Bucharest came to Napoli and they they parked the bus. It was the biggest bus I've ever seen parked in Naples. <laughs> it was like it was honestly. Honestly, it was offensive the way they played or, or even better, they, the way they didn't play. They came here because with a draw, they would have gone through. It was a yeah. Europa League group stage, if I remember correctly. And uh, with a draw, they would have gone through and we needed to win. And we won at the last second with a beautiful, uh, beautiful uh, Cavani, Cavani header, I think it was, yeah? And, uh, uh, and then we won, uh, and there was the Napoli Lecce too. So there was these three. I I don't think I'm wrong about that, but it was three, these three games, and uh, after those three games, uh, one at the last minute, the Mazzari, you know, there was that that uh, myth of the Mazzari uh, injury time, you know, that yeah, yeah, so, Fergie yeah, time they'd say in England because of oh, yeah, exactly, and I think um and there's something here, and we I think we've talked about it like ages ago about the idea that. We were a bit worried about the lack of Katsima in in the Napoli team, and we were sort of, I think, not just us but other fans that I've spoken to, sort of slightly hark back to that team because there was that mixture, wasn't there, of beauty and brawn that you had this, you know, legendary front three, but also people in that team that we you'd watch. It. I mean, obviously it's not true, but you'd watch it and you'd think, how much better at football is Salvatore Aronica than me? You know, you would you would be like. You know, or Walter Gargan, or, or like these sorts of players who were, who were just really industrial players. You know, and that added, I think, to the charm of the team. Right, that you had these kind of like, I don't know what the word you'd use to describe them, but like duffers a bit, and then you had these wonderful that wonderful front three. And I think Mazzari was a bit like that too. There was something about him that was like he could have stumbled into it he you could imagine what you could imagine Matsari being like a kind of um quite aggressive middle manager in an office and he'd accidentally uh-huh. walked into a football stadium and he's now in charge of a team so it all added to this kind of charm right and the fact that right. there was pride back in the team um I suppose actually Maggio and Zuniga were were good weren't they they were yeah, actually good at football were who were the other there. like who are the other duffers in the team, Michele, Mazzari's team? Uh, it's hard to say. I mean, they we, we changed a few, but uh, I think Contini was really bad. Contini wasn't a starter, but he played a few games. Contini was bad. I think uh, we had, like, usually the midfield was really bad. Michele Pacienza wasn't really oh. that great. Like uh, honestly, every time I say these things, people say, "Ah, oh, what are you talking about? This guy was great. That guy was great." I think that's interesting too because people—that's something I noticed. People tend to idealize 
those times. Oh, I do completely. Over, right, because we're overachieving. So if you like, I think if you if you ask someone right now, you say you tell them like without looking it up, like what? How much do you think was the what was the point per game average in the Mazzari era? I, I think they would get it wrong, all of them. They would say like, oh, it was like maybe like, I don't know. 65% two, or something. Yes, yeah. yes. Something like, yeah, like uh, 2.5 per game because that, yeah. that novelty is remembered as a very successful novelty. But the truth is, the truth is, if we won the games we won back then, now it would be not, it wouldn't be considered successful. It was a, Oh, it was a over. It was a team of overachievers, I would say. And uh, in a context of a of a team that hadn't been good for fifteen years, really. Yes. And there was exactly. that one good season under 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 Lippi, uh, and Ranieri did all right as well. But yeah, I think um, what's the old saying that happiness equals expectations minus reality? Hmm. You know, and I think yeah, that was very true of that team. In fact, yes. during lockdown, I went back to watch some of the games. In fact, even if you watch the 2012 Coppa Italia final, you you see flashes of brilliance, but there's a lot of quite terrible football games. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, we didn't play good football, something that would be probably unacceptable today. Uh, again, we didn't have very high expectation. Every time we... So now if we play against a team like Lecce today, Anything but a win is a disaster, right? Mm. But back then, every win counted. We also came, like, we were very fresh in Serie A. We were, we, like, with Mazzari, we just, the bankruptcy was still fresh in our minds, Serie B, Serie C. So we didn't take any win for granted. If we won against a team like Lecce or Empoli, we would be so happy about it. If we mm. won against teams like Juve, Roma, Maybe not Roma, but yeah, not, Roma was quite good actually at the time. If teams yeah. like yeah, Juve, Inter, Milan, it would be like we would celebrate for days. It would, would be amazing, especially yeah, it was it would, would just be great. It, would, it was true with Reya when we first came back to Serie A, but it was yeah. still true with Mazzari. Like everyone can remember, like the, t- the the games we won and lost against, especially the games we won against the big teams because that wasn't common back then. It wasn't. Take it for granted. Uh, Today is different. Today, I'm not saying that, uh, I mean, winning against Juve Inter Milan is expected. But, I mean, if we win against them, we are not going to celebrate for weeks, right? It's going to be like, oh, yeah. I mean, we've seen that before. Yeah, that's a great win, but it's not an exceptional win. I mean, maybe today, yes. Maybe, Maybe right in this moment, yes, it would be. be I mean, anything right now, even if we beat, you know, Empoli, we'd be delighted. Yes. But I think, um, and I think some of the tensions that have happened between the fans and the owner and the team over the past ten years have really been about this desire for evolution out of these kind of plucky, entertaining team, and actually saying, "Well, hang on a second here. There's no reason why we can't have a bit of a legacy. There's no reason why we can't be challenging a bit more." And perhaps the reason why the reaction from what I've gathered has been, I think, I think muted would be polite, um, hmm. has been that actually Mazzari's team, as you've characterized so accurately, are a long time ago and a different Napoli, a different identity, a different, a completely different context. Um, 
so what was what's that reaction been for you from people you've spoken to your dad like who what are we what's the what's the vibrations you're picking up in in naples about Mazzari coming back uh it's funny to me because i think it, it is a controversial appointment but it's also you know it's it's just it's just tough it's just tough i think the first reaction for everyone was like it's just complete shock it was like really Mazzari, like we won the scudetto, we have a scudetto on our chest, and we're going back ten years. Mazzari has been unsuccessful basically since he left Napoli. You know, it hasn't been great at all. And I mean, we are resorting like all we can get right now is Garcia and Mazzari. Really, like it's you know this that kind of feeling. I think we all we all thought about it. We all we all feel sad that you know in, during the summer, in summer, in, we were that like, we were discussing about. Luis Garcia, we're talking about Lu- big managers. Luis Enrique, yeah, he would. Oh, sorry, that. yeah, Luis Garcia. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah, Garcia. You were really advocating for him. You were, yes. you were part of the fan club, weren't you? No, yeah, maybe that's why we, yeah, we hired him. No, Luis, yeah, Luis Enrique. We're talking about you know like real coaches, real managers, yeah. and then we ended up with Garcia. So that was that was quite sad, and now again. Uh, it's true that there is there isn't a lot of there isn't a lot to choose from, but Mazzari mm. really like I think everyone thought about it really this is the best we can do right now with a scudetto on our chest, so this was the first reaction. But then I think after a while, after a few days, you know, you you digest this, you kind of have the chance to think about it in a more uh, calm manner, and I think you know the reaction after a while. The feelings of anger and disappointment slightly went away, and I think most people now are, I think I would say, curious about it. They want to see what we can do, and a lot of people now are like, "Oh yeah, but Mazzari." I think they're now choosing to remember the good times we had with Mazzari, because I mean, it is true Mazzari in with Napoli was successful. So it is true that after that it wasn't. It wasn't as successful. It wasn't nearly as successful. And I would say that he's kind of retired yeah. uh, right now. And uh, it was definitely unemployed. But it is also true that it was successful at Napoli. And we that's what we remember. That's what we remember, you know, the successes. So And there's a curiosity uh, said that I mean just uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna name his first one, two, three, four four fixtures. So away at Atalanta on Saturday, away at Real Madrid the following Wednesday, home against Inter, who seems to be miles ahead of the rest of the league in terms of how they're playing, and then away in Turin against Juventus. Yeah. So that's... that's and there's lots of ways of looking at that. So if, if Matt Sadi can come out of that run of fixtures with some results, do you think there could be a sort of wave of emotion that gets behind him? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, for sure. I think we are starving for good results right now. So anyone, anyone would would kind of excite, you know, the the fan base. But yeah, Mazzari even more so. I think a lot of yeah. people are just there, just waiting for the first sign of the old Napoli back again. Not the maybe not the actual results of the old Mazzari's Napoli, but the excitement that came with it. You know, the fun that we all had. With, those, with that team and with those with those games, so yeah, I think it's it is funny because I also went through the same phases. So the first phase was just you know this is a joke, 
is not true. I made a joke in early October saying on a WhatsApp group that I'm in saying, is Mazzari available? And I thought in my opinion it was an extremely funny joke because it was <laughs> a situation so far from being real, so far from yeah. reality that it, to me it was a joke. Mm. But then we actually hired Mazzari. And, there was someone uh, on, on Twitter who went semi-viral. I think it was Daniel Rosso. Uh, who who did a similar thing back in and and then he tweeted something like I was only joking guys and then actually loads of people were kind of responding to it I think so yeah I mean it's a bit so, like how I felt about the idea of um, Conte turning up in that I've kind of written off this season and at the very least this will create some some drama I think it would be quite interesting to see how the stadium reacts to Mazzari when he first when he's first there. Um, in the in the intergame and you know if imagine we can sneak a couple of results against Inter and Juve what will happen to the city I think that oh, would, yeah. and you're so right it's been starved of after such the joy of last season and the, Garcia's foot was just so awful it'd be such a ridiculous drop-off and my last thought is that the whole Lavezzi Cavani thing it's not a million miles away from how Ossiman and Cavalascalia play together is it you know Fair enough. I, mean, I, don't, I think, I mean, yeah, maybe Cavani or Simen, slightly yeah. similar. Uh, I would say Cavani was better. But, you know, Lavezzi was just, I think Lavezzi was very different compared to Cavani. The spirit, though. I mean, spiritually, it's, they're quite yeah, similar. Spiritually, spiritually, yes, yes. They're yes, both, like, just... completely heart on the sleeve. Play. No, they're completely different players, obviously, but, like, the just the general energy that Cavadascalia brings to the pitch really reminds me of Lovetsi. Actually, the feelings that he creates in me as someone watching the game is very similar, I think, to Lovetsi. I've surprised myself at like how in love I am with Cavadascalia, to be honest, this season. There's just something about... I know he's been a bit up and down, but just the way he's played has been like this light in a store, you know. And I, yeah. I, just, I just love how he plays football. Yeah. Apparently his contract's not a million miles away, or is that just rumors, Michele rumors? I I don't know any like you're the first to hear of any rumors I I'm I'm made aware of. So I have no rumors about the Kelly contract right now, unfortunately. Okay. I cannot I it. cannot make up rumors because I told I, I fundamentally respect rumors, the concept of rumors surrounding Napoli and the club and the players. So, yeah, but you're I'm more not... salacious in your in your gossip. Nothing as boring as a contract. You're more interested in True. what get, happens in nightclub toilets. Anyway, that's a different podcast where we need a lawyer full time. Um, so, okay, we'll wrap things up relatively soon. But I don't. I just want to touch on the Victor Osimhen interview, the very long form interview that that um, John Obi Mikel did with Victor Osimhen, uh, which I think we've both listened to, and there was some. Quite peculiar reactions, I thought, from a lot of Napoli fans, English-speaking Napoli fans that I saw. I came out of it very impressed with him as a human being and a bit sad as a Napoli fan because it really sounds like he's um, going to be gone in the summer. What were your feelings about that interview um, and generally about Victor Osimhen, who I... may even return at the weekend, might come off the bench? I found it interesting. I just found it interesting. I found interesting all the things he said about last season, mostly. Like yeah. when he was talking about Spalletti, when he was talking about the you know, the different dynamics, how Spalletti 
was instrumental in winning the Scudetto, the way he motivated the players, you know, all those small details about Spalletti's WhatsApp messages. Yeah. And, you know, those kind of, that, that's, to me, that's the most interesting part. I, yeah, I mean, it wasn't great, especially the hosts were talking about, yeah, you deserve better. I mean, they didn't say it like that, but they kind of said They were yeah. so prem heady. They were so yeah. just English football biased. That was very irritating. Yeah. That's, I think Ossiman actually handled that quite well. He was always quick to point out that, you know, Napoli's a great team and a, and a great city to play in, I think. That's true. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But you can also tell that, I mean, he wouldn't mind if he went to the Premier League. I don't yeah. mind. I don't really care, uh, to be honest. I've accepted that Ossiman will leave sooner rather than, rather than later, so it's fine. I just, yeah, the, those small details about, you know, the relationship uh, the players had with Spalletti, Spalletti living in the training uh training camp and all these kind of things. I found them very interesting. I didn't watch the whole thing. I watched like 80% of it. But yeah, those are the parts that are were most, uh, most interesting to me. He I lived there for seven months in his office, Balletti. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's probably some hyperbole going on there, but no, I don't think so. I, I, I was surprised by that because I thought it would be more. I thought it would be longer than that. Mm-hmm. I was, it was probably living in the hotel next to the because there is a hotel like a holiday inn actually next to the training center and uh i went there in i mean not to the hotel but i went to the training center in uh june last june or may like late may and the hotel was under renovation so the hotel was closed so i think what happened was that spalletti was leaving uh, that's my just just my opinion but it would make sense i think spalletti was leaving this hotel and after they closed it for renovation, he moved to the to the uh, to the office for the last seven months of his contract. This also this also makes you understand a few things, you know, because I don't think you move to your office unless you know that this is your last year. Yeah, you know, like I think I think if you are looking to stay for a, like I, at least I, like two years, you probably get a house like nearby or in Naples. You don't move to your office. I think you moved to your office because you know that's a very temporary solution. And seven months is not a short period, but if you know that it's going to end in seven months, it's it's fine. Yeah, Benitez yeah, yeah, was yeah. similar. Benitez was living in the hotel next to the training center. And yeah, he never got a house in... never He never got a house in, in, in Naples or in the near next to the training center. And both Spalletti and Benitez only stayed two years. Yep. So that's interesting to me. And it also, for me, shows like how much work it takes to win the Scudetto when you're managing Napoli. You know, the commitment that it required. In comparison, we don't know what happened behind the scenes with Rudy Garcia, but from what you could perceive from press conferences, things that people were saying, journalists, rumours, that there just wasn't that level of commitment. And imagine being a player in the team, in the squad, that went from having a coach that was literally sleeping there and just all of his existence is committed to this thing, to Rudy Garcia. I mean, you can really see how the players didn't get behind him, I think, from that interview. Not that Osimhen was particularly complaining about Garcia, but you could sort of read the subtext of it, I think. And it, I think it was recorded before Garcia was dismissed. Definitely. I find it funny when, he, when they asked him, how, is it, how are you doing, Naples? How's the thing going? And he said, oh, yeah, all fine, all good. I said, really? Was this recorded? <laughs> like, how many months, was, how many months <laughs> ago was this recorded? Like, it was extremely... 
like politically correct. He was very safe in his answers when it comes to transfers, when it came to uh, Garcia as well. So, yeah, I mean, that's fine. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to say, oh, yeah, our current coach is a disaster. But it was, I mean, and he was very happy with you, said, he well, said he was very happy with the people that came to the bus after the UV game. Yeah, that was me. He was literally talking about me. Yeah, he so, was, yeah there was the guy that went to the wrong place. They saw him out the window and then they saw him drive to the bus. And that's they exactly going, right. Yeah, that was yeah. me. Actually, actually, I mean, I don't, have I ever showed you the videos? I have videos. I was very close to them. So, oh, no, yeah, you were. Was... You know, they were, they were great videos. Maybe at the right moment we could release them to the, to the general public. Yeah, not now. Not now. No, I don't it's think depressing. I've, I, yeah, exactly. Very depressing. But yeah, um, no, so it's, uh, yeah, well, I mean, it was an interesting interview. It's just that mm. for me, to me, when they say, just to touch on your point from before, when I learn that a coach is living in the training center, to me, it means that they knew and they know that they're not going to stay in Napoli for very long. Because the training center area is a I don't want to sound. It's it's bad. let's say it's bad. It's really bad. It's nothing special. It's not in Napoli. It's quite mm. far from Napoli. It's like like if I had to drive there, it would be 40, 40 minutes, like 40, 45 minutes. It's in the. It's not even in the Napoli's province. It's in the Caserta province. Uh, it's quite bad. Uh, it's just like very poor. A lot of it's just like a. You wouldn't want to live there. So, yeah. so yeah, so it's, uh, if, if you choose to live in the training center and the training center is in the, in, it's in the middle of nowhere in a very bad area. So if you choose to live there, it means that to me, it means that you, you are living through this experience with the knowledge that it's going to be a temporary experience. It was for Benitez. If you remember that Benitez stayed in Napoli, but he was always talking about his family. He missed his family, his family. And that second season in particular, he phoned it in, didn't he, that second season? Yeah, like every time, every time, like it was quite controversial at the time because we were playing very badly. And usually like if we had a game on Sunday, on Monday, he would get on a flight and go back to his family for like one or two days. And his, yeah, his second in command would, would be in charge of the training session. So... It's Paletti was kind of the same in my opinion. Like he left Napoli saying, "Oh yeah, I want to be with my family," and his family never moved to Napoli. Yeah, they were always in Tuscany, weren't they? Back in Tuscany. Yeah, exactly. Sarri wasn't like that. Like Sarri's family actually lived in. I mean, he's only his wife because his son, his son and daughter. I think he's only a son. But yeah, it was quite. He's an adult, so he doesn't live with 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 Sarri. But yeah, his wife. Like, and he I think that, got that house. played a part. Yeah, and do you reckon that played a part in how much affection was shown to him as as a mister that he was integrated into the city or more permanently in the city? I don't think people necessarily know about these things. I think you can tell by again. I mean, a lot of people loved Spalletti and he never actually lived. Yeah, but he won the Scudetto. Like it's fine. Yeah. You win the Scudetto, you're gonna be beloved, you know. But yeah. he also made an effort with like the, the some. He used some of the phrases in the press conference in Neapolitan, didn't he? He made references to yeah. Neapolitan culture. He actually understood something that Ossiman actually mentioned as well. Is all that kind of thing, yeah. and Garcia didn't. Um, but if anyway, you ask is, people, yeah. if you ask people, where do you know where Sari used to live? They don't know. Like they, yeah. they, they don't know that he had a house. And I know because. I mean, Where's Ciro Mertens? 
Everybody yeah, I mean, seems yes, to know what Jiro meant. Yes, yes, well, he did yes. advertise it quite, quite strong. I miss him so much. Anyway, um, okay, we're getting close to the hour now. So I, um, I very, very much enjoyed a lot of these conversations. We went, we were both deep, superficial, nostalgic, and also thinking about the now and the future. Ego, all bases covered. Now we're the the only English-speaking Napoli podcast that seems to exist. All the best out to Joe and Raf and Raf. We, we do miss you terribly, and I hope you can all find a way. Well, they're mostly active on social media still, so. But um, we'll do our best. We've got a lot to carry, haven't we, Michele? Yeah, yeah, I feel the responsibility. Yeah, we don't, we've obviously taken that very seriously by spending 10 minutes of this podcast talking about scrotums. So That's um, that's that's what I mean when I say I feel the responsibility. <laughs> I feel the responsibility to deliver quality a quality podcast and a quality podcast yeah. starts with a 10 minutes conversation about the scrotums and how to say it and the meaning like, yeah. and the importance yeah. of scrotums in the Napolitan language. I think that's something uh, fair. Yeah. It's like a school being run by the kids. Uh, how long will this happen before we burn the school there anyway so as is tradition is there a neapolitan expression of the week Michaela? yes but first of all before saying the neapolitan phrase of the week i want to say another phrase because that's something that's related to mazzari that's something i read i think i, I heard it in a, a neapolitan tv show uh, which i followed the only one that i follow and uh, they they found this phrase somewhere i don't remember where i think probably like on instagram i don't know but i found it quite interesting because the phrase is um, if you celebrate Mazzari coming back to Napoli, so if you're actually celebrating that, you have no brain. But if you're not happy about it, you have no heart. So I really like that phrase because I think oh, that's, that's so right. I mean, that's, I think what people are feeling, like everyone is feeling right now. It's like, you can be happy about it, but like a part of you, like it's, there is no reason to celebrate it because if we are hiring Mazzari, it means that we are desperate. There is absolutely no other way to look at it. But if a small part of you isn't happy to see Mazzari back in Naples, then then you have no heart. It's true. I mean, I like I like that phrase. I think it's it's, cool, it, yeah, yeah, totally. it summarizes quite well what everyone is feeling right now about Mazzari. Nice, nice, nice. Now, yeah. The phrase of the week. So the phrase of the week is still about Mazzari and. Yeah, let's go back to quality content because this phrase can also, it's also used as innuendo. I think you have something similar in English, but I can't remember what it is. So the okay. phrase of the week is, So there are many variations of this phrase, but this is the one I chose. I repeat. And I've heard a lot of other ways to say the same thing. In English, it would be, the translation, it would be, in times of storms, every opening is a port. So, yeah. So, Any port in a storm, it's literally an idiom in English language. Yeah, yeah. Okay, nice. so the thing is, so I, I chose this phrase because that's probably what Mazari is to us. It was the only available port and we are in stormy times. So that's Same. why, you know, we have to accept. And I do feel that, because I've been asked this question a lot in the past from friends and family, like, how do you feel about Nazari? And my usual answer is, um, I don't feel, like, good about it. Because, again, it's quite disappointing that we have to get a, an employable manager in, our, in a Scudetto winning team. But it is also true that any change is good change right now. Yeah. Because Garcia was just a disaster. So I Absolutely. think just changing is good. 
regardless of what you like, you could put Henry Bell on the on the on the on the on the bench, on Napoli's bench, it would be still better than than Garcia. So, so what the 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 reading list of the squad would go up. You know, I'd start. You know, I take them through the thirty-seven plays of Shakespeare over the course of the season, and I would I'd connect a a, a Shakespeare play to each uh, fixture. So I'd be like, you know, what we got today, Ragazzi, is is Hamlet. Okay, I don't want you. I don't want you being <laughs> thinking about this too much. Look what happens to Hamlet. He thinks about everything too much. Spoiler alert, and he ends up dead. I want you to go out there, lads, and I want you just to use your instincts. There you go. That's what they get from me. And that would be a step up from Rudy Garcia. But not nice. a very big one. No, not, uh, no, I don't think so. But still a step up. So, yeah, that's yeah. the phrase of the week. And nice. uh, I, I, don't think, I don't want to explain how it can be used as an innuendo and in what dirty ways it's usually used. But, yeah, I mean, just... Openings and closings. I think we can use our imagination, I think. Yeah, I mean, pertuso means whole in... In, in Italian, okay. so yeah, I'll leave it, I'll leave it at that. Excellent. Uh, in fact, um, Shakespeare ends the Merchant of Venice with a similar sort of pun, uh, and you can even read "Much Ado About Nothing" as a pun on "Much Ado About No Thing," and I will leave you all to put those things together. Um, great. All right. Well, grazie mille, Michele, and um, let's see how he gets on, eh? We might uh, yeah. be having some very emotional conversations over the next uh, few weeks, I hope. Absolutely. I have to say I'm looking forward to it. I mean, it's I'm not giving up on this team just yet. I do have confidence in the players because I yeah. think we won all these games despite Rudy Garcia because of, because of the players. So I do think there is something substantial, you know, in, in the team. And, you know, according to the rumours that I have... Rudy Garcia was really bad in the training. Like his training sessions were really, really bad, uh, like physical and tactical. And players were not happy about it. So Mazzari doesn't have this problem. I don't think we ever had any physical problems with Mazzari. Uh, no. Maybe his tactics aren't the best, but we'll see. I mean, he says that uh, he's gonna play. We've got Cavana Scalia. Yeah, exactly. And he says he said that Mazzari has always played a three-five-two, and. He said that he studied thoroughly Spalletti's Napoli from last season and he's going to try to emulate what Spalletti did, like tactically speaking, last season. So that's interesting. That's very interesting. That's a challenge. There's a guy on Napoli Twitter that went massively viral because he said, this guy studies like me to a Barcelona defender. He said that I'd studied the defence. And what's his name? Pepe. Anyway, let's hope that that he doesn't go viral again by... (laughs) Quoting Matt Sadi saying this guy studies like me. Um, yeah, no, I agree. Let's let's see. Let's let our hearts do the speaking for the next few weeks and see where we end up. Um, nice. All right, then. Well, grazie mille for your time. And yeah, so you can find us at Shadow of Vesuvio on Twitter. I'm at Henry Barcalcio. Uh, Michele's at Napoli Tickets and at Michele GNT. And uh, lots of love and thanks to Rafa Rispo for production here. You can follow Rafa on Twitter as well. And, and we're both very excited to hear about his next steps as a podcaster. We miss his voice and we want it out there. And I'm sure whatever Presidente chooses to do will be fantastic. So, yeah, big love to him and and Raf and Joe. Um, cool. Anyway, all the best to everybody. Take care and Forza Napoli. Yeah.